Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. What do you think about when you think about heaven? On modern culture, you're going to get, we become angels and sprout wings and become like little cherubs, and I don't think so. Does that sound exciting? Anybody look forward to that kind of heaven? You do not want to see me as a cherub flying. This isn't heaven. This isn't heaven. Well, we're going to look at heaven today. I assure you it's not like that. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples right before he was getting ready to leave them, uh, he said, um, says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that you may be with me where I am. And so the Lord's going to be there and he's preparing heaven And uh, heaven is more real than here. It really is. Sometimes here we think about heaven as it's out there somewhere. It's a little fuzzy to us, maybe kind of shadowy. But when we get there, we're going to discover that this is where the shadows were. This is where things weren't clear, where things weren't fuzzy. Heaven, more real than here. Now, the fact that Jesus is the one preparing this for us and he's where he's going to bring us to be with him, I think it's safe to say this, that heaven is a much better place to be than earth Amen. in its current condition. The current condition of the earth and the world, people in the world, all that, heaven is a much better place to be. The Apostle Paul talked about this, and I think we actually looked at this recently. He says this. Go ahead. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is what? For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. That's right. Let's continue. He says, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. And we're confident, yes, well, please rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We'd rather be with the Lord than here. Now, I'm just not going to talk much about the reality. Sometimes we find ourselves kind of in love with here, don't we? But just know that if you really understood, you'd rather be there than here, okay? And then uh, Jesus, talking to the thief on the cross, Jesus said to him, surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, okay? And so paradise, this, this glorious, awesome place to be. So as we look at heaven today, we're going to discover that heaven is... It, it grows, it moves, it changes, so to speak. So we're going to look at four different ways. We're going to look at heaven now. What's heaven like now? Uh, what will heaven be like after the rapture? And if you're not familiar with that word, there's, the Bible tells us there's going to be a time when the Lord takes all of his people out of the world as part of all the other things he's still going to do. But he takes us all out of the world. What will heaven be like after that? Okay? And then heaven after the second coming. I a little asterisk by that because you'll, you'll understand when we get there. And then heaven after the final judgment, okay? So let's talk about heaven now. If you were to pass and go, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, let me just say that, right? You have to have a personal relationship with Christ. You have to have come to that realization that you have sinned against the holy God and need a Savior. And then you believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is and that he did what the Bible said he did for us. He died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, rising again from the dead. 
And then by faith, you accept Christ as Savior. You say, Lord, I, I, I need this, right? I need you. And I, I turn from my own ways and my own thoughts, and I turn to you, and I put my faith in Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And uh, every sin gets forgiven. You receive eternal life, and God moves in. And anyway, so that, that's a prerequisite to get to heaven, okay? Otherwise, you're not going there. We're going back two weeks ago to the, to the great white throne judgment, right? So let me encourage you. If you have questions about that, please talk to me. Talk to Pastor Dave or somebody else that you know here who could help you to understand how to receive Christ as Savior. All right, so let's talk about heaven now. Uh, we see that your soul and spirit are going to be joined with a spiritual body that resembles your earthly body. And I don't have... Uh, just so you know, we can't look at every verse today. But believe it or not, we're looking at 77 of them. Don't leave now. Okay? Um, but we do see that when uh, Elijah and Moses show up to talk to Jesus, when Jesus is shown in his glory, they show up and talk to him. And who do they look like? Elijah and Moses. They're not some disembodied spirit floating around, okay? So we get some kind of body that that's very much resembles this body that we have here. It's a temporary body. And know this, that you will be you, okay? You will be you. Uh, Paul uh, kind of uh, communicates this in, in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So we will be able to recognize people. They will recognize us. You will be you. You don't become some weird thing, okay? If you're already a weird thing, you're gonna keep being a weird thing. <laughs> but you'll be there, all right? Uh, and then you will be in the Lord's presence, okay? Uh, we've already seen that. That's what Paul talks about. Absent from the body, what? Present, Present with the Lord. And with one huge difference, no sin, you know, we, we carry around the, the curse of sin in the world, and um, this is one of the things we'll look at in our Genesis 1 through 11 study, but the, the, the burden of sin, it affects everything. It affects the very elements, and so as we walk through life, we experience that we're carrying a weight that we don't even know, and certainly within our soul and our spirit, sometimes we feel that, don't we, right? The weight of sin and all that, uh, but no sin. Paul, talking about God's intention for us, he says this, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. He wants you to be holy. And he's working on you to make you holy. And so later in 1 Thessalonians, he says this. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I should say coming of uh, he who calls you is faithful also will do it. But his intention is when he comes that we would then be what? Blameless. The sin is gone. Uh, the apostle John talks about that in his first letter when he says, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We, we don't really know everything that's going to be like, but we know that when he is revealed, when we see him, he's revealed to us, we shall be like him. And does he have any sin? Never has, except when he bore it on the cross for us. Okay, other than that, no sin. For we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. He is pure, we're going to be like him. Okay? Good. So that's heaven now, if you head there now. Okay? How about after the rapture? Heaven after the rapture, when the Lord takes all of his people out of the world and he begins this seven years of judgment upon the earth, 
uh, designed to, to judge sin and sinners, but also to bring more people into relationship with him. So what's it going to be like? Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, I encourage you to pick one up underneath the pews there. A pew. Chairs. <laughs> underneath the chairs. The Apostle Paul talks about this event, and then we'll pick up a few things from the passage about heaven. Start in verse 13. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. And this is the way Paul talks about those who have died, because they're coming back to life someday. I mean, they're alive in heaven, but the idea is their body's going to be resurrected one day, and so it's like they've been asleep and will wake. He says, he's telling those the people were worried about, well, wait a minute. Our, our brothers and sisters Christ, they died before Jesus returned. They didn't know what to make of that. And so he's talking, and he says, Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have already died. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. We're not leaving them behind. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ, those who've already died, will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. So we are going to be with all the other believers. And we're also going to be with the Lord. And we will be with the Lord from now on at that point. On out into eternity, we will be with him. And Paul uh, believed that this should comfort us. This thought should comfort us. Let's go to Revelation chapter 4. Talking about after the rapture, the church has been taken to heaven. And by church, we mean everybody who has believed in Christ, received Christ as Savior. And we've got quite a bit to read here. And I'm not going to try to elaborate on it all. But I just want you to get, it's pretty clear. I just want you to get a sense of what it will be like at this time. Now we're in heaven. John here envisions what's happening in heaven after the rapture. Okay, so let's start in verse 1 of chapter 4. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. This is John talking about his experience. He says, immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Who do you suppose this is? This is God himself. Verse three, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald and, and I've studied all these but I never can remember which stones which color. Just know all these different stones are all different colors, Okay. Verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Most likely, these 24 elders represent the, the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, and then all the other believers with the 12 apostles. Add them up, we get 24. Most likely, that's what this symbolizes. Verse 5, it gets really cool here. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices, 
Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And that's a a description of the different aspects of God. Verse 6, before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. You remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about God's holiness, we uh, saw these creatures back in Isaiah. It says, and they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives for and ever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. You think God will have your attention. Yeah, they'll have our attention. Have you ever zoned out during our worship service? <laughs> I'm not asking for a show of hands or anything. Of course you have. Occasionally it happens to me when I'm preaching, and that's a little scary. <laughs> you will not zone out there. I guarantee you. God will have your full attention. Let's go over to chapter 5 and start in verse 9. Still the same scene. Now, when he had taken the scroll, and that's Jesus, he took the scroll. It says, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, so from all over the world. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. All right, so from these two passages, Paul's passage in Thessalonians and John's here in Revelation, we see that all believers will be together in heaven. All believers from all time will be here in heaven. Uh, All the believers that you read about in the Bible and all the ones that you've never heard of but will learn and get to know. Second thing is God is displaying his glory and holiness. But I want you to know that it's still... It still isn't totally his glory and holiness, uh, but it's quite a display, isn't it? Okay? And, and then we see that there will be a time of worship that's never before been experienced on earth or in heaven. You ever had a time of worship when it just really captured you, captured your mind, captured your heart, your emotions, and, and you knew that God was present and, and you so loved him and wanted to honor and worship him? Well, what we're just read about will be way beyond that. No one has ever experienced worship like this. Now, 
This is a seven-year period in heaven, okay? And not that we're going to be worshiping and doing this all the time in heaven. But some point in this, this time, there'll be the judgment seat of Christ, which we talked about last week. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I encourage you to go listen to or watch last week's sermon. Uh, but this is where we will be, as Christians, those of us who save, we're in heaven, but God, the Lord will evaluate our lives with us, okay? And, and, and that will occur. And then there's going to be a marriage ceremony and a reception for Jesus and his bride. And who's that? Us. Take your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 19. Let's see here. Revelation chapter 19, and let's look at verses 7 through 9 here. This is what John is hearing in heaven, the voice saying, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her, his wife, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. It's those, that holiness that God produced in us and changed the way we lived our lives. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. So a marriage and a celebration. And who is his wife? We are. Now, I mean, it's just kind of hard for me to get our idea around, but all of us together... The Bible uses symbolism to say we are the Lord's wife in heaven. He's the one who we are marrying, okay? And this is so this large supper and this reception. All right. Now, we reach the end of this seven years, and the second coming of Christ occurs. This is when Christ himself comes back to earth, okay? And um, let's see. Let's look at these passages. It says, And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen... White and clean, followed him on white horses. Who, who are those who are clothed in this fine linen? The bride of Christ, which is us. Okay, so the Lord is returning. Who is returning with him? We are. We are returning to the earth. That's why I had the asterisk on heaven. Okay, because heaven is coming down to earth for a time. Okay, and it says, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Those are the words that he uses to describe us, those who know him. So, heaven after the second coming, heaven where the Lord's presence and his throne is, right? That's what we think of heaven, where the Lord is and his throne. It moves to earth. And you're saying, oh no, I thought we got away from here. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be much better than this for sure. What we see is that Jesus rules on the earth as king during this time. Jesus is the ruler. You ever get disappointed by politicians? We will have the perfect ruler on earth. He will be just. He will be righteous. Everything, right? He will handle everything right. And, and he makes some changes. And, and we're not, go ahead and turn to Isaiah uh, chapter 11. We're not going to read those verses for time's sake. But let's, let's uh, go ahead and turn there. He's going to make some changes that um, to the world. Genesis chapter 3, the curse of sin comes. The very elements of creation itself are affected. Everything wears out. Everything breaks down. Every living thing eventually dies. The pain, the suffering, all those kinds of things. Well, the Lord is going to pull that back in creation so that it isn't affecting creation anymore. Let's look. Verse 6. 
The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Then yesterday, uh, the TV was on when I came home. My grandson was there. But the, they had this, uh, it's on the BBC network. But Planet Earth, you guys ever seen that stuff? Everybody was showing cheetahs and how they, you know. Guess what? Cheetahs don't lie down with lambs. They eat them. Right? So what's happening here is God has pulled back this curse of sin. And, and it is happening. A little child shall lead them. Verse 7. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So that's a huge change, isn't it? And so sin, sin is not affecting creation. It won't affect us because we've already been changed to be like the Lord. There will be people who will live in from the great tribulation time into the millennium who are, have never died and risen, so they are humans. Okay, well, their children, they will have children, the Bible says. They will have children, and those children will be the same way you and I were. Born with a nature that's dead to God, with a need to respond to the Lord and receive Christ as Savior. They will need to do that. And just like happens now, some won't. So there is some sin in the world, but good news, all during this time, and by the way, this is a thousand years long, uh, Satan will be locked away. And so he won't be able to influence. So, I mean, it's going to be an awesome, awesome place. And I don't know what all we'll be doing. Uh, we'll be serving the Lord in some way, and it, it'll, it, that will be good. But so a thousand years this lasts. All right. And then the great white throne of judgment occurs. That's what we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Heaven, then, after the final judgment. What will that be like? Well, the universe is going to be recreated in a, in a glorious way. Okay, the earth and the heavens that have been cursed by sin, it will be finally completely done forever. And so the Lord is going to create. Peter talks about it like this. He says, the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. New heaven, new earth, real heaven, real earth, but totally new, okay? Um, is this world, don't you see some beautiful things in this world? Amazing things, glorious things. You're seeing that in a world that's impacted by the curse of sin. What will it be like when that curse is no longer in place? All right, well, John talks about this in Revelation. He, say, he, he says that did, in fact, happen. He says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Uh, so, again, this means sin and its consequences will no longer exist. Uh, go ahead and go to that if you would, Jim. Sin and its consequences will no longer exist. And uh, uh, Jesus says, or John says, he says, behold the tabernacle of God the tabernacle is talking about the dwelling place of God, okay? The tabernacle of God is with men. 
and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So he's with us, no sin. And we know this, the presence of God. Right now we, we, we catch glimpses of it, we feel it, we experience here and there, but it comes and goes, doesn't it? Not then, always he will be present in our lives. And it continues and it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Why? Because what? Sin is gone. He continues, he says, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he sat on a throne and said, behold, I make all things new. No sin. I think I could float up, right? And the burden's gone. No sin. And the consequences are gone as well. Now, let's continue. Let's uh, take our Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation because I cannot do justice to it by trying to tell you about it. We've got to read it. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 9. And we're going to go all the way over to chapter 22, verse 5 before we're done. It says, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Before we go any farther, think about when you go to a wedding, you go to a wedding and, you know, the music is playing, you find your seats, uh, then the, uh, you know, the grandparents are ushered in and the, the parents are ushered in and, and, and then the bridesmaids come and it, sometimes the groomsmen come or sometimes they're already, it doesn't matter. But the point is, there comes a point when the doors in the back get shut, don't they? And very often the music changes and the door opens and what do we see? It's not a trick question. The bride, right? And all her beauty. And I have never seen an ugly bride. I have never seen an ugly woman either. But <laughs> seriously, my, my point is glorious, right? Awesome. And I know a bunch of you ladies do this because the groom is up here usually and hasn't seen her. At least that's been in the past. That's kind of changing some now. But the moment she steps in the back door, I, I know some of you ladies, you're watching the bride and you're looking at him. Because she's glorious, isn't she? And this is what he's showing us, the, the bride of Christ. He's going to describe a little more to us here in a minute. Verse 12. Also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. So this bride is a building or a city, okay? And 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three gates on the west, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth and height are equal. Okay, so this is a cube, furlongs. And uh, there are a couple different measurements that Bible scholars use. Uh, some of them say this 1,400 miles is this, this length. Some say it's 1,500 miles. I've used 1,500 miles today, okay? 
1,500 miles this way, 1,500 miles that way, and 1,500 miles that way. Trump Towers is like this. Right? I mean, it doesn't even compare. Okay? So we're talking about heaven after the final judgment. This is what our, where our primary residence will be, those of us who have come to Christ in the church age. We will live in the New Jerusalem. We can come and go. Who knows where we'll go? I think I want to take a trip and go visit the universe. But this will be our primary residence. Now, let's see. How big is this really? Okay, what would it look like on a map? Okay? Map of the United States, this is the area it would cover. Okay? Now, I know it's not going to be in the United States, but so we can see. This is big, isn't it? Now, how tall is it? 1,500 miles tall. And the blue line around the Earth there, that's the space station's orbit. Okay? This is how high this is. Now, we say, that's crazy. Nobody could do that. Well, wait a minute. Who are we talking about? God. God who made the universe. And he can definitely do that. Now, let's try to get our heads around. We're going to be living in this place and what it's going to be like. How big is it? Well, if you look in our building here, right, this space here, I kind of calculated the cubic feet here. You know, we get 15 quadrillion of these buildings in there. And I forget what a quadrillion is. It's like 20 zeros or something behind it. Okay? It gets heavy. How many of you have ever gone down to Rhode Island and visit the mansions? Okay? We get down there, the breakers, the biggest one, right? 160 trillion of those will fit in the New Jerusalem. Now, there's been a move over the years for some of the more modern translations to want to translate, in my father's house are many rooms. I like the old King James and it's the New King James, many mansions. 160 trillion of them. That qualifies, doesn't it? Uh, and I don't know if it's mansions or rooms, whatever, but if it's a room, it's big. Okay? All right. How about, so this is still big, huge numbers for us. Gillette Stadium. 1.6 trillion Gillette Stadiums could fit inside. And that means every person who's alive today, 8 billion people could have 200 Gillette Stadiums through the space. Okay? I don't know if I want that much, but you, you get the thing. Now, I want to tell you, I have done something that I think has never been done in the history of the world. And I'm being serious. It's kind of funny, but I'm being really serious. I don't think ever in the history of the world anybody has ever done what I did this week. Okay. Twinkies. <laughs> the classic Twinkie is four inches by one and a half inches by one and a quarter inches. And so if we're going to, I want to get an idea how big this is. We're going to fill it with Twinkies, okay? So you've got to crank the machines up and crank out those Twinkies, and then you've got to stack them, right? Keep stacking them, keep stacking them up until finally 1,500 miles this way, this way, and this way is full of Twinkies. All right, now, to try to get an understanding of how big the new Jerusalem is here, we're going to recruit everyone in the whole world, about 8 billion people right now, we're going to recruit them to help us eat these Twinkies. And we're going to eat three a minute. Can't you, don't you think you could eat a Twinkie in 20 seconds? Okay, so we're going to eat three Twinkies per minute, nonstop from now on until they're gone. Nine million years is how long it will take us to eat all of them. Now, the good news is that means New Jerusalem is really big. The bad news is we're out of Twinkies. Now, the answer that I don't really, 
hardly ever eat Twinkies. I don't care that much, but they're fun to talk about. Okay? This is big, right? Okay. Now, so let's continue. Heaven after the final judgment. Our primary residence will be in New Jerusalem, and we will have direct eternal access to God on his throne and all that goes with it. That's right. We've got to go back and keep reading here. Let's do that. We're down to verse, I think, 18. Let's do 17. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass, The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh uh, jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And get this, the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. That's a big clam, isn't it? And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. That's where we get this streets of gold, okay? He says, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. No sin. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who have come to receive Christ as Savior. So we will have direct eternal access to God on his throne. Now let's read the first few verses of chapter 22. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life. And, and when Jesus was talking about the water of life, what was he talking about? Spirit. Do you remember? The Holy Spirit, that's right. Uh, from within us, rivers of waters of life. And so out of the throne of God, this river, it, it either is, we're seeing the Holy Spirit or it's the symbolic of him either way. Verse 2, in the middle of, the st- of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit Every month, 12 different fruits, a different one each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. That's us. And uh, we're actually going to address something related to this idea in our Genesis class this morning. Courage to stick around for it. But we will serve the Lord. He will give us things that are meaningful to do. What, if you could choose to do any kind of work, you, you could. You, you got to choose. I can, you know, maybe you don't know how to do it, but you'd like to know. You could choose that. Can you think of something that you would choose to do for your work? Because you would like it. You might love it. Well, that's the kind of work that God's going to give us. Work that, that excites us. Work that matches us. Work that allows us to be everything that God intended for us to be. So we'll be serving him. It says, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what that means, except that we're going to display his glory too somehow. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Now, understand, this does not mean there's no night anywhere. 
There's no night in the New Jerusalem and where the throne of God is, okay? Because I kind of like the night sometimes, don't you? Sometimes. So we will be blessed by serving God for all eternity. Go ahead and go to that if you would, Jim. Now you know more about heaven than you ever thought you could know, especially the Twinkies. And so the book of Revelation, after it's described all these things, uh, includes these words. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And so the call is for everyone to come. God has prepared a place that's beyond our ability to fully imagine and understand. I mean, and it's going to be better than we know or understand. And so he's calling us, come, anyone who wants to. And how do we get to come? We already saw the Lamb's Book of Life, right? You must receive Christ as Savior to make it here. And again, I, I beg you, if you haven't done that, right now, just in your heart, say, oh, God, that's me. I'm trusting Jesus. And then let, let me know. And if, if you need to have questions, please ask them. And so Peter talks about specifically the, 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 the destruction of this world and the creation of a new, but I think it fits the whole idea. He says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be now in holy conduct and godliness? Think where we're going. Maybe it'd be a good idea to get to work on it now. You won't be so shocked when you get there then. And then uh, Peter again says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. So we've seen the great white throne judgment, God's holy judgment of all sin and sinners, and we don't want to be there. We don't have to be. We receive Christ as Savior. We will stand at the judgment seat of Christ when he evaluates our lives, and we'll get rewards and suffer some loss, Right? And then, but we're going to be in heaven then with the Lord for all eternity, doing things that matter. And I, I just stop. I've already read it all to you. Heaven, more real and way more better than here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and you revealed these things to us so much to look forward to, so much more we could have looked and studied. And so it, it really is beyond us, Lord. Uh, but we... We look forward to it. We need to look forward to it more. And Lord, we need it to remind us that we should share uh, your goodness and your gospel with others who need it. And Lord, that then we would get serious about our lives and, and live in, like people who are headed to, to be with you forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. We'll start our Bible study in here in about half an hour.